God is doing exciting things all around the world, including all these nations that the flags are representing here, and you are very much part of it. That is something exciting because God's people should be excited when God is doing things around the world and they are using God's people like you and me. Serving God is always very exciting. We all serve in many different ways. Some are pastors. Some are other leaders in the congregation, in the church. Some are people like you who you think you are not taking much part in the work. But you are praying, right? You are thinking. You are taking part with your giving. All these are part of mission. And it's my honor this morning to be with you, to worship with you on this Lord's Day. And also share some stories. And I wish I could take all of you to India. And many of the people that you have been supporting over many years. And probably some of them you know by name or may not even know them. You have probably never met them except some pastors like Pastor Steve and Pastor Chadrick. They have met some of them. But many of you have not met them. I hope I can introduce some of them to you because they're your champions, they're God's champion, they're heroes in the mission field. They're, and I'm very proud of them because I have a chance to meet them, talk to them time to time. Even last week, I was with them in our leadership meeting. And at this point, it's my honor to bring greetings to you from the Assemblies of God of North India. Now, you may think, what happened to the South and Northeast? Now, we are part of the same India, but some of these councils were formed in different time uh, by the missionaries who have come many, many years ago. And that's why uh, these regional councils, and of course we have our All India Council where I also serve. North India covers 70% of India. Most of the time we think of India mostly probably of South because Singapore, Malaysia has a lot of connection with the South. But it is much, much beyond and lots more work needs to be done in the northern part, which is 15 states of India. Where Christian population the whole India's Christian population is only 2.3. Whole India. Out of that, in the southern part of India, majority of the Christians live. It's only five or six states. Is 1.7%, so majority of them, they live there. In North India, which is 70% of India. You want to know what's the percentage of Christianity there? 
you can guess. Probably you'll not be able to guess. Is zero point one two. There's a great mission field there. And you are taking part in that great mission. You need to be proud, not because you are doing great things, but through you, God is doing great things. And he will continue to do great things. We have a great commission and will not take it lightly. We have to reach and make disciples of all the nations. But great commission also comes with great commandments. Before Jesus gave the great commission, he told people that there are great commandments. Mission has always been the heart cry of our God that we serve. Mission is there. From the time God created Adam and Eve and they failed because Adam and Eve were created to have fellowship with God. And God continues to have that passion to have fellowship with you and me. But not only a few of us here. He wants to have fellowship with every single human being. And that's why as human beings failed, Adam and Eve failed, he did not just leave them aside that, okay, forget about them. He put, put up the restoration plan. With Noah, Abraham, with the nation of Israel, with all the books written in the Old Testament, we find that through the judges, through the kings, through the prophets, God continued to call people unto himself. As we move to the New Testament, there also we see God has the same passion. He wants people to come to him so that he can have fellowship. We all know John 3.16, right? We memorize that from our Sunday school days, children's church. God so loved the world, not just this physical world. He loved the people. He loved you and me. But that cannot be limited to you and me. Because then we'll be selfish. Then we'll not do the things that God wants us to do. As in the early years, in the first century, on the day of Pentecost, God established the church on earth. And while people were confused outside, Peter stood there along with other apostles and he preached open-air meeting. And what was the result? 5,000 people came to the Lord. And as we see in the New Testament, it kept on growing. And over the centuries, first forward, here you and I, we are sitting in here, 
worshiping the lord but are we or should we just be comfortable worshiping the lord or we should be concerned of the people who needs to hear the gospel yes we will continue to worship the lord but our worship will outflow and get into action some of you may be called to be a missionary to other nation maybe one of these nations or even beyond that or some of you will be called in other works of the missions but we are all part of the mission can you say amen to it amen we are part of the missions god's work god can do his work he doesn't me arun sarkar he doesn't me need me or you he can do it but what an honor for us to be part with god's work and when god works there is so much of excitement there are so many things happening all around when god gave when people were struggling how to follow god how to have fellowship with god god gave them 10 commandments was that good enough for them were they able to follow it even those 10 commandments later on in the book of leviticus the 27 chapters we find lots of things they need to do is all detailed out all the rituals how they need to conduct how to do things people failed and the leaders of that time the pharisees and sadducees and others they came up with hundreds and hundreds more of rules and regulations so people were struggling to follow god instead of having a wonderful fellowship with god following god become a burden does it happen in your life i hope it not following god should not be a burden it should be a joyful experience and when they try to come up with all these things and we find in matthew where we see that trying to get the screen people were there pharisees and sadducees in matthew 21 they were asking many different questions to jesus and they uh, jesus was entering in jerusalem in and then people were very amazed with his teachings but these leaders of the time they did not like him they tried to put him down they wanted to ask difficult questions of course jesus is master master teacher he knows how to answer and as they asked questions they asked a very difficult question i mean they always came up with some very difficult questions like some of us we ask difficult questions to god right sometime they said which is the greatest commandment we have so many 
Can you tell us which is the greatest? And Jesus had a very simple answer. He said, love God. That's the greatest. Love God. He says, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. He was teaching in the temple. But the Pharisees are not ready to give up. Say, hey, we have to catch this man and put him in a very awkward situation, put him in trouble. So that was the question that came up and Jesus says, Jesus answered in verse 37 and 38, Matthew 21. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Wow. I wish Jesus would have said, just love God. That's it. Made it very simple. But he went in every aspect. He went into depth, deeper understanding how we love God. With all our, what does it say? All our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and Mark even goes a step further. He says, with all your strength. Loving God has to do with our heart. Heart is the seat of emotions. When you, someone loves someone, he or she gives his or her heart to the other person. Right? Not literally. But that's the expression we have. Because this expresses emotions. Emotion is very, very important in our relationship. If there is no emotion, then it will be very difficult to maintain the relationship. You think of that. If you are totally emotionless, and other person is trying to communicate, have time with you, communicate something, have, trying to have fellowship. You're just like a stone. It won't work. Emotions are very, very important. And that's why, this is, uh, by the way, my, our church in Calcutta. Uh, so it's my joy also to represent my church to you this morning. It's a time of worship. In the time of worship, what do you do? We sing songs. We sing praises, which happened just now. We raise our hands. Some of us, we, we move our body even. We verbalize our worship. Why? Because we are excited. Emotions are involved. We need to use our emotions when we are praising God, Psalms 100, we are very familiar with this because we keep on singing on this. Shout for joy to the Lord. Shout. For joy to the Lord. And later on, that's the chorus that we sing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. When we come into God's presence, whenever we 
express our love, it expresses in emotions. Psalms 24 says, the one who has clean hands and pure hearts is the attitude of worship. The way we express ourselves with a clean heart and pure hand. Pure heart, clean hands and pure heart. Yeah. Because we want to come and have this time of fellowship with him with our emotions. Our heart is the center of our emotions. So loving God with all my heart makes us think of having an emotional connection. Very, very important connection with him and being aware of the things that might even attack, attract, sorry, attract our heart away. So we use our emotions in worshiping and loving God. Let's move on as our time passes by. We also are asked to love God with our soul. With all your soul. Soul has to do with our willingness to our obedience. Soul-heartedly, we do things. We put ourselves into the obedience. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, what do we say? Let my kingdom come? No, we say, let your kingdom come. That is always our prayer. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done. Not my will. Not somebody else's will. But your will. Whenever we express our love to God, it's very important that we keep this in mind. That his will has to be done. And it calls for obedience. First Samuel 15.22 says, But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in the obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Many times we do a lot of church activities. We are happy. We are serving the Lord. We are doing great things. Those are important. Preaching, teaching, doing things, working in the church. Those are very important. But beyond that, God is still looking at our inside. He wants to see how obediently I am doing it. It's not just because I want to please the pastor, please the congregation, please others. No. God looks inside because he wants to see the obedience. Can you imagine someone who tells you that he or she loves you and does not follow what you say? It cannot happen, right? Same thing with God. When we say, God, we love you, we need to obey him. And when we love someone, obeying that person is not difficult. Following what pleases God's heart is not difficult when we love God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, 
you, you do your own way, right? No. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's very natural. So when we love God, we love God with our emotions. We love God with our obedience. So loving God and obeying him are inseparable. They cannot be separated. Loving God and obeying cannot be separated. Obeying God should be an easy task for those who love and adore him. That's a reminder for me. That's a reminder for you. Then the verse goes on to say, with all your mind. Now, I thank God that when God created human beings, you and me, he did not create, create us as robots. Nowadays, we uh, talk about a lot of AI and how things are happening all around, um, whether robots and AI will replace the creativity of human beings. And there are a lot of discussions and debates. Thank God for AI. But I also thank God that we are not robots. God created us with brain, without thinking. In our thoughts, we need to be very careful how we are loving God because our thoughts can be manipulative. Every day, I do not know, supposed to be from the medical science, and I know there are medical people around. I'm not a medical person. They say, in a day, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts running in our mind. And it can control things in my life. So the thoughts that are running in your mind in a day, is this, are they from God? Are they from devil? Or even you are creating some thoughts for yourself. And that's why Paul is very careful when he says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world. No, it's, everyone does it. So I also do it. But it wants and it continues to say, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Be transformed. And it's not, this is not for those who are not in the Lord. These are for those. Paul is writing to the believers. This is for us. Our mind, our thoughts needs to be transformed if we want to really love God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We demolish them in our mind. Because thoughts are there. And I love the last part of it. It says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient in Christ. Obedient to Christ. We take captive of every thought for what purpose? So that that thought is obedient to Christ. How important it is to love God and we can say, Lord, I love you, but our thoughts are not transformed. We have not cap captured them under our control. Of course, Holy Spirit is there to help us. Thank God for that. 
Colossians 3:2 says, "Set your minds on things above, not of earth, earthly things." Let's move on. And I love reading from one of these authors, and he says, "The Bible is emphatic, emphatic that our mind is one of the key elements in the love we show for God. How important that is. So we love God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and then Mark adds one more dimension. He says, with all your strength. Now, how do we love God with all our strength? Physical strength? We need to have physical strength to love God? When you love someone, you make an effort to be with that person, right? If you have an appointment with your friend, you get up from the bed at a certain time, you leave your house at some time, you dress up before that, you take MRT or take your car, you drive, you ride, then you reach, maybe on the way you pick up some flowers from the shop, you buy chocolates, I don't know. You take a lot of physical activities to be with that person. Even when you have come to worship the Lord this morning, and I'm sure all of you had very, very busy week, and Sunday is a good day to sleep, right? <laughs> take some good rest because another week is coming. But you have some of you at least, you decided that you want to be here. So practically, you pulled your body out of the bed. Right? And you have taken effort to be here. These are all physical things. When we love God, we'll also add physical dimension to it. And Mark did not miss it. He wanted to make sure that that is also part of it. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. But I wish, I'm skipping some because I want to take you to some of the people that are there, you're supporting and introduce them to you. And meantime, if you want to read some of these screens, it's okay. But I wish Lord simply should have stopped with the only first commandment, love God. But he did not stop. That's why uh, sometimes I think, okay, uh, I should have been there to give some advice to the Lord. Because he said, the second one, the second one, that's in verse 39. The second one is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love people. And loving people is not easy. Some of you are smiling. You know it. I know it. All of us, we know it. And that's why I think that 
God should have just stopped with the first one. Okay, loving God. Okay, with all this, 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 fine. But loving people? Oh, no. But what is the passion of God? What is the mission of God? Loving people. So if we love God, we'll also need to love people. It cannot be even separated. So when we love God, we have to love our neighbors. Now, it can be a full other sermon. I'm sure you have heard about how to love your neighbors and all. I'm not getting into that today. Or maybe some other time, Pastor Steve and others, they can. But loving people is very, very challenging. Very, very challenging. Because it's, and the Lord says, okay, he did not even say love people or love your neighbor. Like yourself. I mean, that's more difficult. How can I love someone exactly the way I want to love myself? I want the best for myself. Right? How can I give the same best thing to somebody else? Rather, they should give me everything the best. That's the way human being works. But he said, love you, your neighbor as yourself. Oh, that's tough. But I want to let you know, those in the mission field, they are dealing with people. They are dealing with people. They are dealing with neighbors. Neighbors are not always the same people living in the next door. Neighbors are in the community, in the in the region, in those lands, they are the neighbors. And things can be very, very challenging and difficult in many of the places. Even we cannot, we may even have difficulty understanding in what situation they minister. We talk about missions, we pray for them, we send our financial support to them. But we really don't understand the kind of situation they go through. And this is, I will not get into some details because they may be very, very difficult even to understand. We have gone through, in my context, we have gone through and still going through a lot of challenges. Our currency notes were demonetized already twice in the last few years, in the recent time. The second one, the first one, the new currency bills were introduced, some of the old currency bills were taken out. And again this time, the same currency notes that were introduced are even withdrawn. And it may not sound anything big, but if you, have, if you track the news, you'll see that it's a very difficult process for common people. There's a food restriction. Do anyone control what you want to eat or you don't eat? We have control. We cannot simply decide what I want to eat. Is that something of challenge? I think so. Because if someone is controlling 
even my food that I want to eat, then it's not fair. Even not eating, if I just have it in my house somewhere and people just suspect that it is there in my house, I can be imprisoned even for 10 years. How nice it is. Human freedom. You can go on the Google and check. The index is going down and down and down. Media is another area where it is also getting more control and more control. A lot of news cannot come through media anymore. In fact, almost nothing can come through without certain centralized control. We may not know them because they are not even published. They are not available in the news. There are so many news challenge, uh, channels, but it's not there. Cancellation of FCRA, which is very important for us to transfer your money to India and that money to reach to those partners, to, to those pastors. Very important. The license to receive funding from other countries. In the last number of years, several thousand licenses are being cancelled, mostly of Christian organizations and churches. They somehow are, we are restricted to receive funds. But we thank God we still can carry on God's work. This anti-conversion law, even though the Constitution gives us the freedom, there are anti-conversion law in 11 states of India, mostly in the northern India, in North India. You cannot decide which religion you want to follow. We are talking about mission. We share the gospel to them. They cannot say they are coming to follow the Lord because it's against. Not only they, even the pastors will be behind the bus. And it's happening. It's a daily thing happening. It's not something that is happening once in a while somewhere. Persecution? Intense persecution is happening. No reports comes up. But it's happening in multiple places every day. Sunday? We gather for worship. There are places they cannot come. But we have our champions working in those difficult places. These are some of your champions. These are the heroes. Yeah. I wish they were here to meet you and you could meet them. At least I brought some of the pictures that I could collect. So when you support some of these people, you know who they are. Sorry for being a little emotional. This is Wesley, coming from South India to all the way to the Bhutan border, ministering to the people there. Not only for the nation of India, but also the border across. This is Pastor Manoj, came from a different background. And look at his church. There is no church. It's just an open space out on the, up on the mountain in a very small place, very difficult to reach. 
but he is faithfully serving the Lord. This is Ashish. And don't miss his church. You think of your church is not nice enough? <laughs> okay? Take a visit to his church. On the top of the mountain, you have to probably walk a few hours climbing the mountains. <laughs> but joyfully they are serving. This is Joel. Pastor Joel. He also comes from another background with drug addiction in his life. But God has saved him. He is using just two rooms, standing on the corner of the room, so that he can talk to both sides. <laughs> Pioneering work. This is uh, Mrinmai reaching out to the people in the slums. Pintu, did you visit or Pastor Chadrick? You visited. And Pastor Chadrick, I think both were there. Comes from another background, but found the Lord. Brother was uh, mentally challenged, but God saved the entire family. Brother got even healed. He is reaching out to the people. And the building, don't miss the building to the, where he is uh, ministering. And of course, not all ministry happens inside the building. Other days, they are in all different places outside. But that building can collapse anytime. It's in a very, very bad state. Did you visit that place also? This is Avijit. He is ministering a place which is about eight hours drive from Calcutta. And when I say drive, don't think of uh, Singapore roads. <laughs> but he's faithfully meeting in a small place. Raja. His name is Raja. Raja does not mean he's the king, but he is serving the king. Again, he comes from another faith, found the Lord. He does not have any place to meet. Wherever there is space, people are there, and he is there ministering. This is uh, Suman. He and his wife, they are working in a place. Some of you are familiar with Hare Krishna movement. The main temple is in the place where they are ministering. And faithfully serving and see the impact you're making through your support. Jitendra, because of his faith, he again comes from another faith, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, his wife said, I'll not follow your God. I'm leaving you behind. So he's rising up. His daughter, but not giving up the ministry. Sanidhi comes from Maharashtra. Came to the college, met the person she wanted to marry. They are married. The husband pastors a church many years ago where I was the pastor. But Sanidhi has a burden for children's ministry. Even though language is a major challenge for her, because in India we have many, many different languages. And, uh, but she is learning. She goes from place to place in the villages, 
ministering to the children. This is uh, Dibendu. Dibendu meets places like this. Part of his living, he drives a passenger four-wheeler, which don't get any sophisticated idea. It's a very, very primitive type of thing for his living. Because he wants the support that you're giving for his ministry. He earns his living on his own, whatever little income he can. I can go on telling you all these stories. There are many, many, many more. You should connect with your mission pastors and hear what is happening. But as the general council, we are committed. We know we have a big challenge. We have a vast area of 70% of India's land, unrich, with only 0.12% Christian presence. But we are committed to see gospel being reached to every person. Churches being established in every small town, small village, everywhere. We want to see pastors are being placed in all those places. Christian workers, gospel ministers to be in those places. And thank you for your partnership. It's very, very important because as God has his mission, he's calling us to partnership. Not only partnership with him, but partnership with others, those who are reaching out in the ground level. Because that is very important. And I want you to keep us in your prayers. Especially for these champions. And we pray that in days to come there will be many more. Not only in India, not only in these 14 nations, but even beyond that, you will be able to make impact in the mission of God. And thus, my appeal, that's my prayer to you and thank you for the opportunity that I had to speak to you this morning. God be with you.